All right, and welcome to another episode of Sports Bears from an Agent's Perspective. Episode 25, man, episode 25, exciting times. Um, you're with your host, Zila, a.k.a. Chester Bekela, however you prefer to call me, it's all good. But, and today, we have a very exciting episode, man, very good topic that we're going to discuss. Um, and yeah, we hope everyone enjoys, you know, the show. It's a nice and chilly morning, man, in um, Tokyo, Japan, Fujisawa and Kanagawa, greater Tokyo area, basically, um, as that's where I'm based at the moment. Um, and yeah, man, it's, um, we're going to have a good show. We're going to have a good show. All right. But before we get onto that, uh, we want to run a promotion by promoting Limitless Athlete Membership. All right. If you're tuning in for the first time to the podcast, Limitless Athlete Membership is a social network platform that aims to connect athletes, coaches, and teams. All right. The uh, platform predominantly focuses on football, soccer, but also caters for rugby as well. Right. And what the platform does is it allows for athletes, coaches, and teams to sign up on the platform for free. All right. And then after signing up, you need to create a profile, almost like what you do like when you use a platform like Facebook or Twitter and whatnot. Right? You create a profile and you add your contact details so that um, the people that are following you on the platform are able to you know, know your contact details and are able to get in contact with you. All right? It's a great platform where athletes, um, they can conclude and negotiate contracts for themselves Coaches can also conclude contracts and negotiate contracts for themselves. And then teams can advertise on the platform, either on their profiles, you know, by adding images and, and you know, basically things to promote the team, or they can get in touch with the platform support to run an advert for them with regards to maybe um, a roster spot within the team. All right, so those are the benefits of using the platform. And teams are able to use this platform to recruit either locally or internationally. All right, please make sure you adhere to the COVID-19 rules, though, as you know, things are a bit iffy, but um, that's what the platform is basically great for. And then for coaches and players looking to develop themselves off the field and to learn a skill... Um, we've been able to offer an online digital marketing course, all right? And what this course entails is that the learner is able to learn um, how to do web design, all right? Very crucial skill in this day and age, you know, being able to design websites. Um, learners are also able to learn social media marketing and social media content creation, all right? With the social media marketing part, they're able to learn about um, paid, running paid advertising campaigns on the social network platforms. You know, platforms like Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, um, and LinkedIn, and so forth. Right. And then learners are also able to learn about um, search engine optimization, which is also a crucial tool in this day and age, because if you have a business or you are working for a business, um, it's a great way to get your ranking up on Google. So learning search engine optimization skills helps you to rank higher on search engines, basically. All right. And that's through blogging and other skills that you can learn how to do. 
Those are the skills that we teach in the course. And then um, another skill that is also crucial and that you know learners can also pick up is building websites with streaming platforms. All right, video content is one of the most important. You know, um, how can I say, skills that are required in this day and age. All right, so being able to build a website with streaming um, services or streaming platform, you know, will enable one to be able to create their own sort of like Netflix or YouTube or whichever streaming platform that they would like to create for themselves. And the best part, they can monetize at some point. All right, so this course, man, this online digital marketing course, it basically equips you with the skills that you can use to monetize at some point. Skills that are relevant in this um, digital evolution or digital era that we're living in. All right. But the course is not mandatory. It's 100% optional. All right. We, it's an added benefit for anyone who wants to develop themselves off the field. And the website for Limitless Athlete membership is www.limitlessathlete.net. That is www.limitlessathlete.net. When you're on the homepage, there is a demo video that will show you how the site works. All right. So make sure to check it out, man. Make sure to check out this platform. If you're a professional soccer player, um, professional soccer coach, or if you're a team, semi-pro team, amateur team that's looking to recruit without the intermediation of an agent. That is why the platform has been created. It's to basically connect the three parties without the intermediation of an agent. So make sure to check it out. All right. Okay. So after the break, um, we're going to, yeah, we're going to dig into today's topic. Today, we're basically going to talk about um, the question of does you know, the school sports system prepare players well for the professional levels. All right. So don't go anywhere, man. Stay tuned. And yeah, we're going to dig in and yeah, I'm going to spit some fire for you guys. So make sure to check that out. All right. See you after the break. All right. And welcome back. Um, hope you guys didn't really go anywhere. <laughs> Very short break. But anyway. All right. So, um, as I said before the break, the topic that we're going to dig into, you know, today is, you know, does the school sports system prepare the players well? You know, does it actually prepare the players well for the professional levels? Okay. Now, the the three sports that we're going to be looking at is, you know, the three sports that we always look at in our podcast. All right, we're going to discuss professional soccer, uh, professional um, rugby and also professional basketball. We're going to look at those three sporting systems. Okay. Now, obviously, you know, just to start off with, you know, school sports, man, that is one of the most exciting time, um, you know, in a developing athlete's life, because that is where they're literally, you know, learning and developing, you know, falling and getting up. That's basically where, you know, a lot of the you know the players' characters is developed, and a lot of their confidence is also developed as well. That you know, oh shit, I might have something here, or you know, oh shit, I might be able to actually take this to another level. But you know what we're going to also discuss on the show is: 
Does the school sports system, though, paint the full picture of what's awaiting the athlete, you know, within the professional levels? Because I think this is where the disconnect comes, you know? Um, You know, just because a player was, you know, exceptional at school level, that doesn't always translate or, you know, make the leap into the pro ranks. You know, a lot of things, a lot of factors come into play when, you know, approaching the professional ranks, you know, after leaving school. And obviously that is, you know, things like, um, you know, the tempo of the game changes. You know, because now you're sort of doing this more regularly than you would at school level. Because at school level, remember, you still got to wake up, you got to go to school all day, and then afterwards you get into the sporting routine. Whereas when you're heading for the pro ranks, your day is filled up with, um, with, the, you know, with your sport routines. Whether that's, you know, gym, um, getting into the gym, in, into the weight room, hitting the weights. After that, hitting a field session. After that, um, hitting a psychology session. After that, you know, um, doing a skill session, like individual skill session. You know, so there's so many different routines and habits that have to take place you know, when journeying into the pro ranks. And I feel this is where the disconnect comes when, um, when athletes have to now transition either, you know, even their mindset from being a schoolboy player or schoolgirl player to now entering the professional ranks. All right. So let's look at soccer first. Let's have a look at soccer first. All right. So within, you know, um, the football industry, you know, within soccer, I think everybody will know that, you know, school sport, I mean, school soccer, high school soccer isn't exactly the biggest thing in the world, all right? I'm not going to talk for all countries. I mean, obviously, I haven't been to every single country in the world, but I'm just going to talk about, you know, countries that I've lived in, you know, South Africa and the other six countries. What I noticed was school soccer wasn't the biggest thing. You know, it really, really, really wasn't. What is big in the development stages of a player, of a high school caliber player um, within soccer is uh, the big name brand academies. All right. So if you're a person who's living in like Paris Saint-Germain, like who's living in Paris, would join like a Paris Saint-Germain academy. If you're a person living in Manchester, you join like a Manchester United um, academy. If you're a person who's living in South Africa, You'd be joining the um, Orlando Pirates, Kaiser Chiefs, or Mamelodi Sundowns um, Academy or Super Sport United Academy setup. All right, high school soccer is there. It is a thing that is there, and I mean there are a few schools. I know in South Africa, um, Benoni High had one of the biggest reputations for being a decent, you know, soccer school. But I mean that's only one school, literally, that I know of. You know, so it is a thing that's there. High school soccer is there, but it doesn't get the exposure that these big name brands um, and the credibility that these big name brands basically give the player that comes out of the academies. All right, it's totally different to basketball and rugby, but we'll touch on those later. Now, one of the advantages, one of the advantages of um, basically being involved in these big name academies is the fact that you know players are able to you know 
they're able to start dreaming big from a young age, you know, and when they start dreaming big from a young age, um, that has its advantages because they know what to push for. Okay. Because I mean, imagine this, you're, you're in the setup, big name, you know, football brand, Madrid, um, Paris Saint-Germain, Manchester United, Pirates and all that stuff. You're in the setup. You know, you're in their kit. You know the ranks that you've got to go. So if you, let's say, playing under 12 for one of these big name brands, you know that they're still under 15. You know that they're still under 16, under 17, and under 19. And then eventually there's the big team because you watch them almost every weekend on television. All right? So I believe that it sort of like creates the dream um, so much earlier for the players for them to be able to start laying out the plan that, okay, you know, this is what I got to work for. This is what I've got to work for. Whereas, um, I'm guessing, you know, for the players, I'm guessing playing at high school, you know, high school soccer, it's just, okay, I'm just going to shoot for my, you know, teams under 14A, under 15A and, and whatnot. And I'll see where that goes, you know? So I believe, honestly, you know, for, with the football structures, they have been smart, you know, the big teams have been smart in that way that they've, um, they sort of inject the dream in the player from a young age, man. But obviously things happen, you know, things change and everything and not all those players make it to those ranks. And we're going to look at why, what, what is the possible um, cause for that, all right, because Obviously, you know, being able to dream big and then being able to follow a sort of like training routine, because I mean, at these academies, they also make them do drills that are a bit more high level than what they would be doing at their schools. Because don't get me wrong, while these players are attending academies with these big teams, they're still playing for their um, high schools as well. All right. So it's sort of like a best of both worlds type of thing. But um, but yeah, but even with that, man, it, it doesn't always, you know, translate or it doesn't always um, result in these guys getting big contracts once they're done with the academy stages. And obviously, when looking at it, you can't blame all the teams and say that, yeah, all the teams are like that. No, not all the teams are like that. But some are like that in the sense that while you develop the kids, you know, physically... Um, and skill-wise, they I, I feel like they don't do it holistically. I feel like they, they're not developing these kids mentally because a lot of them, sometimes they attend these academies, but when they come out, they still don't have the mindset of a professional. Right? And that is the troubling part that, whoa, you spent all this, you know, all these years in the academy, but, you know... Um, you know, they still lack either whether it's a self-discipline to, you know, get up in the morning and go for a run or the self-motivation. Let me put it like that. The self-motivation. Because that's what you find from some of the players. But, I, but you know what? With that, you can't really blame the structures that they were put in. I think what it all comes down to from that um, retrospect is pretty much your you know self motivation and your hunger and desire to actually make it in the game i think that's what it comes down to but really man when you look at it on paper the path 
is almost set is almost set up for you know developing for young developing soccer players for them to succeed because when you get that amount of exposure in a professional team at such a young age that should also make it you know almost make it second nature for you by the time you hit 16 17 18 you know all of this you know it should be involuntary man within you it should be wired in you that okay this is what we got to do so that's why i do believe that with you know within those structures it does come down to self motivation it does come down to hunger all right you can take the you can take the horse to the water man but you can't make it drink But I still do commend the system. But I do think, though, that um, you know that the you know the sporting the sporting um, federations of the countries also need to invest more in high school soccer. In Japan, don't get me wrong, high school soccer does have some sort of a presence. It does have some sort of exposure. I know that there is a big um, under eighteen tournament that takes place every year where the top Japanese high schools, um, they meet at like sort of like a festival and, you know, they, they play against each other. And like I said, it gets media exposure. It gets televised. The games get televised. I think literally this is the only country that I've lived in where I see high school soccer being televised. Right? I could be wrong. Maybe in the States, they were, um, high school soccer was televised as well. But because the state I was living in, you know, soccer doesn't have that much of a like a presence i mean i was in washington dc you know bethesda washington dc um and yeah basically i mean that's that's pretty much football country man you know american football basketball ice hockey um lacrosse and those other sports so the whole time i was there i never saw a high school soccer high school soccer game on tv all right, but I'm I'm not going to dismiss. You never know. I mean, that was pretty much ten years ago. Who knows? Maybe things have changed now. Maybe soccer is getting more exposure because soccer has grown in the United States um, in the past decade. I mean, you see with the MLS nowadays. All right. So yeah, so that's pretty much um, where the development stage is, um, and whether or not the players are prepared. Well, I would say. It's it's a cases of a yeses and noes, man. It's a yeses and noes. I think with what the structures with the structures put in place um, by these big brand teams, um, I would say yes. In a perfect world, <laughs> they are giving these kids the tools to basically go to the next level. But I think when you when you really do sit down and assess it, when you're looking at from a no, you know, from a no part, it's. Um, yeah, that what it comes down to literally is the player's self-motivation and dedication, you know, whether they really are hungry for this opportunity or not. You know, because being thrust into such um, a privileged system, it can go it can go both ways. It can go either way, man. It can either motivate the guy to take the opportunity and run with it or it can make the guy just relax and feel, you know, entitled and not really want to do the work. All right. So, yeah, it's a case of yeses and noes. But, I mean, the system has its pros and cons. All right. So now let's have a look at a sport like rugby. Okay. So rugby, <laughs> it needs no introduction, man. Schoolboy rugby 
is man it, it it's massive it's really massive and the thing about it is that it's not only big in the country that i grew up in in south africa only nah i mean when i lived in in hong kong i i met a lot of guys like from new zealand and australia uh in england we were like we were like blended dude and i remember how we used to share you know stories of our school rugby days and you'd hear guys who went to school in new zealand and australia talk about you know how big schoolboy rugby is and you'd be like oh shit so it's not only in south africa damn you know so i mean obviously in south africa you get your big schools man um you know your gray blooms your queens colleges your um pretoria boys high your Afis, um, then from the, you know from the Cape, you get your Battle Chums, uh, Paul Boys, um, Bishops, Durban. You get your Durban um, Westfall Boys. You get oh man, there's so many schools. Your Michael Houses, your Hilton Colleges. So there are so many schools, and it's the exposure within South Africa. I mean, the schoolboy rugby derbies, most of the time they are televised. All right, so the sport gets so much exposure. But again, with all this exposure and, you know, the excitement, you know, that circulates, that surrounds schoolboy rugby, whether in ESO or in other countries, does it prepare the players well? All right. Now, one word to describe, man, schoolboy rugby is passion. Dude, <laughs> fuck <laughs> The guys, man, the guys are passionate about, you know, their school's jumpers, man. The guys, they're willing to lay their bodies on the fucking line for their school jumper. You know, and and obviously, you know, you, you get guys that dominate the school ranks. You know, they dominate from age group rugby right up until they get to open rugby and first team rugby. And then it just, um, you know, and then they, they just, they fail to take the next step. You know, and we're going to look at why, and, you know, we're going to look at the possible factors as to why is that. That's why in the beginning of the topic, I said that I do believe that, you know, schoolboy or schoolgirl sport, you know, it doesn't paint half the picture of what's awaiting these guys. Because a lot of the players, they fall into that trap that, okay, I'm dominating high school rugby. So that, so this should mean that the road is clear. And then they find out once they finish, you know, high school, when they're drafted into a, you know, like a pro academy system, that's where, you know, guys start to fall short. I'll give you an example. So when I finished high school, um, I entered the, um, the Pucker Rugby Institute, which was, which is affiliated with the Leopards Rugby Union down in Potchefstroom, uh, which is about two hours from Johann, two hours, two hours from Pretoria, an hour from Joburg. All right, so when we entered the academy as under-19s, there were literally about 100, I think there were about, yeah, close to like 150 or 100, yeah, 150 plus guys that entered the academy. And they said this to us. <laughs> they said, literally, they said this to us um, like at the, at the first meeting that we had. We we're like sitting in like sort of like an amphitheater, like an amphitheater sort of set up. And you look around, you see all, just all these buff guys sitting around and you're like fuck how the hell am I gonna make the team man but I, I'll never forget what the coaches said at the beginning they were like look around you you know there's like 150 plus of you 
They're like, I guarantee you, in four weeks' time after we've completed the first phase of the training program, there'll probably be around 120 of you. And obviously, everyone's got that, nah, I'm not going to quit. Nah, I'm not, I'm not going to quit. I'm not going to quit. Fine, you know. The training started where we had to wake up literally sometimes at like 5 o'clock to go have a training session on the field. Dude. And mind you, some of us, we don't have cars. But obviously, I was lucky that I would always ride with one of my, um, one of the other boys because I was living in the rugby house. You're driving to the field. It's still dark. <laughs> Imagine that. You're driving to the field. It's still dark. You get there. And you're like, whoa, man, these numbers have shrunk, you know, overnight. It's exact. What the coaches said is exactly what happened. And I, and I kid you not. Four weeks later, I promise you, we had gone down from 150 plus to about 110, 120. And every time we'd have a meeting, the coaches would tell you, we're going to level up in training now. And that includes your strength and conditioning, your gym work, you know, basically the dedication that you have to put in. And they were like, we guarantee you by June, there'll be about 80 of you left. And that's exactly how it panned out. By the time, you know, to cut the long story short, by the time we were preparing for the under 19 Curry Cup, under 19 provincial tournament, there were literally, there was literally about, yeah, about 50 or 60 of us left. The squad, obviously the Curry Cup squad, they only could select about 30. So the other guys were basically like the fringe players that were left over. But imagine that. Entering the academy in January, we were about 150 plus. By June, we were down to 80. By the time the Curry Cup started, we were down to about 50 or 60 guys that were left over. So that's pretty much what I'm saying. And mind you, these and the guys who quit, these were not suckers, dude. These were everyone who entered the academy was a guy who was dominating at the high school level in rugby. All right. So it made me ask the question that why do some players, you know, fail to make that jump? You know, and it's obviously the um, I think many of them are unaware of what it really takes to become a professional. They're unaware that, listen, to, to get on this journey, you're going to have to follow this type of routine. You're going to have to, make, you know, you're, you're going to have to train more than once a day. You're going to need to dedicate yourself to being able to get into the gym, go on the field, do a skill session, Get into the psychology, you know, get into the, the psychology sessions and not miss and try not to miss any of these sessions. Imagine doing that. And that's going to be your life every single day. You're not going to have the normal student life. I usually tell this to people. I never had the normal student life. This was literally my day to day from when I was 19 until I was 21. This was my routine. You know, good players fell away, guys. Good players fell away. 
um, but obviously, you know, the pros of playing schoolboy rugby is that, you know, you're, um, the exposure that it, it, um, it gives players. I do believe, especially when you're in a, when you're in a country like South Africa um, and you're playing schoolboy rugby, it literally does almost set you up for the next step. But it doesn't guarantee, though. But because of all the media coverage and the TV coverage, it does open the door. You know, guys just need to step in it. But the pros, I mean, sorry, not the pros, but the cons of it, though, is that I don't think the guys are really prepared well mentally for that next step. And I think where a lot of this fell short, but a lot of schools are changing it now where they try to get someone like a professional rugby coach to actually coach the first team. Because what needs to happen for these guys, man, um, is just for someone to just really sit down with them. You know, single out the players that you really, you know, that you that coaches feel, okay, these guys, these guys are elite. They're showing elite signs. You know, you pull them aside and I think you really start, you know, to have that, that uh, conversation. And first of all, obviously, gauge that what is it they want out of this game, you know. And I think once you've figured out the guy's goals, you, you basically let them know that, listen, I really do believe that you can... Um, you can play rugby at the next level, you know. But getting to the next level, what we do here at school, unfortunately, isn't going to be enough. That's when you start demanding more from them. All right? That's when you start, um, you know, encouraging and basically sort of take on like a mentorship role where you tell them, all right, this is what it takes to get to the pros. Because I can tell you, man, with the big schools, that's pretty much what they do. They get guys who are professional coaches or guys who've coached at pro ranks so that they are able to, you know, implore their knowledge on the guys that, listen, this is what it's going to take for you to get to the next level. You're good, but, you know, the effort that you're putting in at the moment, if you're going to put this amount of effort at the next level, you're going to fall short. I feel that guys need to hear that because it also grounds them as well and it lets them know that there's still more to go. There's still more work to do, you know, because I mean, when you're getting good and you're dominating schoolboy rugby, it's easy to develop an ego and think that, hey, man, you've got it made. And that's where you need that mentor and that coach that pulls you aside and has those conversations with you. You know, for me, man, personally, I didn't think about professional rugby until I was like in my 11th, um, I was in like the 11th grade. In my junior year, if you, in America, in my junior year or in, in the 11th grade, where after we played Academy Week in Uppington, I remember one of the coaches, man, he pulled me aside. He's like, yeah, you're going to be a senior next year. You're going to be matric. And I'm like, yeah. He's like, what are your plans for after school? I'm like, I'm probably going to go off and study in university. I'm like, why? He's like, no, man, you know, I really think um, you should carry on playing. I really think don't give the game up. He's like, I really think you can play rugby at a professional level at some point. I'm like, what? What does that even mean? Because it's nothing that I had ever thought about. You know? No one in my family had ever pursued a professional sports career. So it was, yeah, it, it, was, um, it was an eye-opening thing. But what he said basically opened my mind up because... 
with all that, he wasn't stroking my ego. No, 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 no. He was just telling me that, listen, I think you can go to the next level, but this is what you need to do. Because Jan Hendrik, um, that was his name, he was a former professional athlete. That's what I'm saying. That's why, you know, it's so important sometimes that, you know, professional athletes do become coaches because you have so much to give back to these kids. And after Jan Hendrik said that stuff to me, man, we had like an hour conversation where he was telling me, you know, um, basically what the professional game demands from you. So I already now had that amount of knowledge. So going into my matric year, I was preparing myself because I started, you know, waking up in the morning, hitting the gym before school going to school and then after school going to practice so i was literally i started the whole training twice a day thing all because someone pulled me aside and said something to me and said listen i really do believe you can play further and i'm glad i listened man i'm glad i listened because experiencing you know professional sports is something it's it's an experience i can never articulate into words you know, so that's where I feel the schoolboy rugby system sort of falls short in preparing guys is the fact that I think from a mentorship point, the guys are a little bit on their own. And I really do believe if that gap can be bridged, then I think a lot more, there'd be a lot more success rate for, you know, for the schoolboy players, you know. But anyway, like I'm saying, guys, these are just my opinions and thoughts um, and things that I've seen, things that I've experienced and things that I've witnessed. I've witnessed guys, man, who are talented to the T fail to make the jump, you know, to the to the pro setup. And this is not because guys were lacking talent. No, they still had the talent. But I think, you know, with high school sport, you get so good that you start relying only on your talent. And I think that's where a lot of guys get it wrong. That again, that's where the mentorship comes in. That's where the mentorship becomes crucial in helping these guys prepare for the next step where you get a guy and you tell him that, listen, you're good, but there's another level to go so that they stay hungry. You know, but yeah, so yeah, so that that's having a look at um at at um high school rugby. But yeah, look, schoolboy rugby man, it's it's still one of the most passionate. Um and I mean nowadays it gets so many scouts over there because of the abundant talent that is just on display. All right. So agents, scouts that go there, coaches that are mentoring these kids do better. Pull the guy aside and just have a conversation with them. Not an ego-stroking conversation that, yeah, you're good, you're good, you're going to the pros. No, really sit them down and have an honest conversation that, what do you want out of this game? All right, and now let's have a look at the last sport, um, which is basketball. Um, now, in looking at basketball, we're, we're going to use the U.S. as sort of like a benchmark in this scenario, where you know high school basketball is massive in the U.S., same as high school rugby in South Africa, Australia, and New Zealand, um, high school basketball also gets a lot of media exposure. You know, these kids are literally being interviewed after the games. They're being profiled, um, you know, pre-game and during the game. So, I mean, it's, 
I, I guess it's it's pretty much it's it's good media training for the athletes because it teaches them on how to basically interact and build a relationship with the media. Because as we've seen, one of the most important, you know, um, success factors or success requirements for professional athletes is actually having a positive relationship with the media. If the media hates you, you're in fucking trouble. You know, you're in trouble. So, yeah, man, uh, oof, the U.S. basketball athletes, I think they're, they're more under the microscope than anywhere else in the world because literally every move of theirs is watched, you know, because they get more games televised. Within, you know, high school rugby, you'll probably find that in a season, they'll get maybe very few games televised, whereas in basketball, they get so many games televised. You know, because of the whole TV rights thing um, AAUs have, you know, with, um, you know, with your networks and all that stuff. So they definitely get more exposure and they get a lot more features on like magazines and stuff, you know, Sports Illustrated and blah, blah, blah and blah, blah, blah. I mean, yeah, dude. So there's, um, I feel like there's a lot of pressure for these guys at such a young age. But again, this helps them because... Um, with all this exposure, it created like anomalies that went straight from high school right to the pros. All right. Obviously, and most of these guys that go straight from high schools and onto the pros are usually players that really become revolutionary. You know, anomalies like your Kevin Garnett, um, Kobe Bryant, you know, LeBron James, basically almost like, you know, generational talents. That are able to emerge. And it's due to the, you know, to, to the, the media exposure by, you know, high school basketball. So I guess we would say that those are the pros, you know, the positive parts of, um, of high school basketball, you know, within the States. And then obviously, I guess from the negative part, I would say the negative part about them is also, you know, the, the whole mentorship type of thing. I think... Yeah, more times than not, a lot of the guys who don't make it into the league or who don't live up to the hype is due to poor mentorship, that they didn't really, they didn't really comprehend what it takes to get to the next level and stay there. Because remember, guys, sometimes you can work your, you know, you can work your way towards something. It's staying there that matters. You can make it to the league, but can you stay there? Because remember, every single year, guys are coming in, you know, where the guys are also retiring, but new guys are coming in. All right. So I do think, yeah, from, from a con perspective, it's uh, it's the mentorship. But at least, I mean, we've been able to see, um, I mean, obviously they, they keep like they keep changing the rules that, yeah, guys can go from high school to the league or no guys have to do a year or two of college and you know the, the rules keep changing for them but i mean you look at a talent like zion williamson as well i mean zion was dominant as a high scholar and you really got to ask yourself was it really worth it for him going off to college because a player like him with his physical build and everything he could have gone straight to the league you know but obviously those factors do also come into play at some point that Sometimes players fail to make the jump to the pro leagues, maybe because 
their physical developments some cap out like some peak i don't want to say peak at a young age that really sounds negative some stop growing at a certain time you know you get guys who get like a massive growth spurt in their teen years and then they cap out at like 18 and then they just stop growing you know and then obviously you get your late bloomers that some guys actually only pick up after they leave high school where they really start getting you know either bulkier and so forth and so forth and so forth you know but um yeah this is look this is one of those conversations man where i don't think there's any one like there's one right answer for it but i just thought you know i would share my thoughts on um just the whole topic of does the whole school system you know does the whole school sports system basically prepare athletes well um for the next level again it's a discussion that has a lot of yeses and nos a lot of yeses and nos and what it, it will and what it eventually comes down to you know just you know for accountability purposes what it eventually comes down to is is the player self motivated enough is the player hungry enough for the opportunity is the player dedicated enough to take the opportunity with both hands and just fucking run with it that's what it all boils down to there's no such thing as a sure thing that's pretty much what i'm driving home here is that sometimes you can be in the perfect setup you can go to the perfect school and get the amount of exposure but still fail to make the jump and that's not because you weren't good enough for anything it's just because maybe there's there's a certain like there's a certain step that you may have overlooked or missed because you may have thought yeah i've got it made or maybe sometimes you just realized in the middle of chasing this dream that it's not actually what you wanted you know there are so many underlying factors man so many underlying factors and i have a feeling that this won't be the last time we talk about such a topic because um because of how big the development structures and you know the schoolboy systems are you know in the world of professional sports because you got to remember if it wasn't for the schoolboy systems and the the um the big name brand academies that develop these players there would be nothing there would be no players there would be no player pool for the prof- uh, professional ranks to basically scout scout from so the grassroots level are so crucial and they are so important to the professional bo- you know professional basketball <laughs> to the professional sports ecosystem basically whether it's professional soccer whether it's professional rugby or whether it's professional basketball all right so yeah i hope you guys enjoyed that chat man um yeah i i i love talking about the development stages because i really do feel that that is where players characters are developed all right proper mentorship man and just not stroking a guy's ego i believe goes a long way all right but anyway thanks for hanging out with me guys uh, i got to get my day started uh, it's a lovely chilly morning out here in tokyo man fucking love it you got to love it but yeah thanks for hanging out with me on this episode episode number 25 um you've been with your host zila aka chester mbekela and this is sports biz from an agent's perspective right before i go make sure to um support the podcast guys you know get the merch 
which is available. I'll post the link in the description. And uh, for professional soccer players, professional rugby players, um, and coaches, teams, if you want to sign up on limitlessathlete.net, the, the website will be in the description. And uh, yeah, to, to anyone who's looking to invest in property, all right, this is a plug-in for Remax. Hit up Remax, man. Your, your boy is also a partner at Remax um, as a real estate agent. But anyway, um, yeah, thanks for hanging out with me. Um, I look forward to seeing you guys in the next episode. Yeah, take care. All right, cheers.